All right. Somebody's <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. How are we doing today? Pretty all right? Good? All right. Spring is here. How many of you excited that spring is finally here? Yes. Yes. I had that day marked down on my calendar. We can finally say goodbye to old man winter. We can grab him and go like this. See ya. Wouldn't want to be ya. At least for the next, I don't know, two months because we live in Jersey and it's cold in Jersey. 11 out of the 12 months of the year. I'm from California. So to me, anything below 70 degrees is not right. Which begs the question, well, why do you live here? God put me here. That's why I live here. Well, for those of you who don't know, my name's Eddie, and we are right in the middle of a series. How many of you know what the name of the series is? Can you say it with me? It's called, yes, you got it right, Sermon on the Mount. And if you haven't been with us for a while, I just want to give a quick little recap of what we've been talking about these past few weeks, just so that way we're all on the same page. All right? Sound fair? All right. In this sermon that Jesus gave on the mount. See what I did there? Right? Maybe not. All right. In his sermon that Jesus gave on the mount, he talks about a multitude of topics, kingdom principle topics, things like adultery, murder, divorce, prayer, fasting, giving, just to name a few of the things that he's talking about. And he does this because he looks out on the crowd and he realizes that there may be some people that are listening to him, that have been following him, that may be not too sure about what he's all about. They may be confused about some of the things that he's been saying. So he uses this opportunity to give his most famous sermon to clear it all up. And the same way those topics were relevant back then, they're definitely relevant in this day and age right now. So for the past few weeks, we have been breaking down some key passages so that way we can have a better understanding of what Jesus has been talking about. So that way we can grow closer to him and walk better with him. In the first week of this series, Pastor Carlos broke down the Beatitudes in Matthew 5. How many of you were here for the first message of the series? Very awesome series. Very awesome message. Powerful message. Last week, how many of you remember what Pastor Carlos spoke about last week? Anybody? Anybody? He broke down a $20 bill. Sounds familiar? He didn't give it to you. I wish he would have gave it to me, but he didn't give it to you. Anybody? Counterfeit. Exactly. Yes. He asked us a very important question, very deep question. Are we true and real in our walk with him? And then he showed us the steps that if we weren't there yet, how we can be. And this week, is no different. This week, we're going to get to the nitty-gritty of a, of a really cool, important topic that's been on my heart for a while, because today, we're going to get personal. Touch your neighbor to the left and to the right. So we're going to get personal today. We're going to get personal, and we're going to get personal with God. We're going to get personal with God. For this series, Jesus has been targeting our hearts, right? He's been targeting our hearts And this message is no different because today we're going to be talking about motive behind the moment. Say it with me. Motive behind 
the moment. Say it one more time, one more time. Motive behind the moment. And this topic is so important. It's so crucial to our lives because what we're going to discover today is that our motives are directly linked to how close and how deep our relationship and how personal our relationship with Jesus can be. Because if our motive is right in the moment, our relationship with Jesus will go deeper. It will get to the next level and it can become extremely personal. But if our motive is not correct in the moment, it could have the opposite effect. It won't be deep and intimate. It won't get to the next level, and it will just stay right here on the surface. Do this with me, right here on the surface. Right here. And the enemy of this world, he would love for nothing more than for you to have this type of relationship with Jesus and not a personal one. You want to know why? Because it's the personal one that changes you. It's the personal one that changes you. Your motives will determine which type of relationship you have, whether it's one that's like this or whether it's one that's right here, right here. But what does a relationship like that look like? I mean, what does this type of relationship look like? You may be asking yourself that question. And as I was preparing for this message, I asked myself the same thing. And I did some research. And this is what I found out. I found out that if you take everything that the Word of God says, if you take the Bible and everything that it says about how to have a successful relationship, a deep one, an intimate one, and you do the opposite of that, you will end up having just a surface-level relationship, not just with everybody that you may know, but especially with Jesus, especially with him. So, being the person that I am, I wrote down a couple of those things. I created a list because I'm all about lists, right? And if you want to write them down, right now may be a good time because I'm going to tell you some of those things. What it means to be in a surface-level relationship. A lot of people who are in relationships right now are going to be copying this down and checking themselves just to make sure that they don't fall into it. Are you ready? Ooh, a lot of people don't sound like they're ready. You want me? I can come back later. We, we can do it next week if you want. No? All right, okay. All right, we'll do it right now. All right. The first thing. To highlight just a few, mind you, these are only a few key ones that I just felt like picking out. It's not the whole shebang, all right? First thing, surface-level relationship. You're not invested in the other person's goals and have no idea what they are. You're in a relationship. You don't know what the person wants out of life. You don't know what their goals are. You don't know what their dreams are. You don't know what their aspirations are. And here's the kicker. You don't bother to ask. Why? Because you don't care. It's not really that important to you. You're on the surface. The next thing, you don't spend much time together, right? You don't spend much time together. When you see them, you see them. And when you don't, it's whatever. I can see you next week. We don't plan the next meeting. It's whatever it is. When I see you, I see you. When I don't, eh, it's okay. It doesn't bother me that much. The next thing, 
You rarely, if ever, communicate your feelings to them. You don't share your feelings. Whether you're mad, whether you're angry, whether you're frustrated, whether they did something that, oh, just kind of made you wanted to just grab a little and shank them, Puerto Rican style. I've never done that. Lord, right? You don't communicate your feelings. Whether you're happy or you're joyful or you had a great moment, you just don't bother to share it with that person because you don't think that person's that important or you don't want to waste your time, so to speak, because you feel like they wouldn't respond that right anyway. The next thing, you don't think about that person when they are not present. They are an afterthought. If they are with you physically, you're thinking about them. They're right here. Hey, how you doing? How's everything? But the moment they walk away from you and walk out that door, get into their car, go somewhere else, you don't bother texting them. You don't bother calling them. You don't bother writing on their Facebook page. You don't double tap on their Instagram story. None of it really give. you don't give it a second thought. A lot of people are checking their phones right now to see when was the last time somebody had texted them and when they liked their Instagram post just to make sure. Next thing, you don't take the time to really know who they are, their past, their present, their future, the history, everything that makes up them, you don't bother to ask. It's of no concern to you. The next one, you lie to each other. You lie to each other and you're okay with it. You're okay with it. You don't bother to tell them the truth. If anything, you're happy that you got away with the lie. Next thing, you don't know what the other person wants out of life. Again, their future doesn't really concern you. And last but not least, when it comes down to a surface-level relationship, one that only treads the top, it's all about you. It's not about the other person. The other person doesn't really matter. It's all about you. If any of these apply, chances are you could be in a surface-level relationship. But if we're not careful, we can definitely take these same things and apply them to our relationship with Jesus and figure out that maybe we might be in a surface-level relationship with him. So I do what I do best. I made a list, right? I compiled some things down, and I took the list that we just had, and I applied it to the spiritual. I applied it to how it would look if we had one with Jesus. And this is what that list looks like. You're not invested in his plan, And it doesn't bother you that you don't know what it is. Oh, yes, Jesus, he died on the cross for me. That's kind of where the story ends, right? The next thing, you don't spend alone time with him, whether it's through prayer, reading, or worshiping. You don't spend alone time with him. You rarely, if ever, The next one, you rarely, if ever, communicate your feelings to him. You don't tell him when you're happy or when you're sad 
when you're depressed or when you're struggling. You don't express your frustrations to him. You don't tell him how you really feel about certain things as if he wasn't able to handle it. You just don't tell him how you feel. The next one. You only think about him while in church or in small group. Anywhere else outside of that, Jesus is an afterthought. While you're here, it's easy to think about Jesus. When you're in small group, it's easy to think about Jesus. But anywhere outside of those two venues, he's an afterthought. He's the furthest thing from your mind. The next one, you lie to him, not caring that he already knows the truth. Don't you know that? Like Jesus already knows the truth. He knows everything. But some of us think we're getting over by not telling the truth to him. You don't take the time to really know who he is. You're not invested. And last but not least, it's all about you. It's all about you and not about him. These are just a few of the things that I found and discovered during my research. And if any of these apply, it's quite possible that you may be in a surface-level relationship with Jesus. Oh, and I forgot to, I'm sorry, I forgot to mention this. One more thing about surface-level relationships. I'm so sorry. It just, it, it, it passed me up. I apologize. Uh, those type of relationships, they don't last very long. They don't. Those type of relationships, they're the easiest types of relationships to walk away from. There isn't anything there. There's nothing tying you down. There's no emotional connection. There's no history there. You can throw in the towel just like that. There's no shared dreams. There's no shared goals. There's no shared accomplishments. There's no history between the two because nobody has spent any time together. The honesty in the relationship doesn't exist. And when push comes to shove and times get rough, it's very easy to drop this type of relationship. Very easy. Barely an inconvenience. Quick question. Have you ever had a relationship end and it not bother you that it ended? Have you ever had a relationship end and it not bother you that it ended? More often than not, it's probably because it was here. And never here. It was never here. In the same way, I have seen so many walk away from Jesus at the drop of a hat, just like that. When times got rough, when their faith was tested, when adversity hit, when the calamity came upon them, when storms broke out in their life, when the phone call was made, Jesus was the first thing to go because things got too hard. These types of relationships right here, they don't last very long. Only personal ones do. Only personal relationships last. And if our motives are not correct in the moment... We can fall into the trap of only having this type of relationship. 
And we will never get to the deep, profound, personal one that he wants us to have with him. The type that can change your life for the better. The type that can take you on the adventure of a lifetime. So exciting and so amazing. But if we never get there, we may one day find ourselves walking away from the only relationship that really matters. The one between you and him. And Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, he takes the time to address this issue of motive, the issue of motive. He takes time to address it, not once, but three times in three different scenarios, one right after another. So you know what's important. It takes up a pretty good chunk of the Sermon on the Mount. And if he spoke about it so in-depthly, you must know that he must think about this in a certain way. If Jesus says something once, our ears should pucker up. If he says it twice, maybe we should lean in a little bit closer and pay attention. If he says it three times, we should drop whatever it is that we're doing and give it our full attention. Because Jesus knows, he knows that if the motive is not right, If the motive is not right, we will miss the opportunity to have a real personal relationship with him. If the motive isn't right. So we're going to hop right into it. Matthew chapter 6. If you have your Bible, it's the first book in the New Testament. Book, I'm sorry. The first gospel in the New Testament. If you don't have your Bibles, it's all good. The, excuse me, uh, the message, oh, the message, <laughs> the verses will pop up right behind me on the screen. All right, are we ready to get into it? Ooh, some daggers being tossed out right now. Nobody knows. <laughs> Matthew, chapter 6, starting at verse 1 through 2. Remember, there are three different scenarios that he talks about. The first one is this. Jesus looks out to the crowd and he says this to them. Be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. I can just imagine the people on the side of the mount looking at Jesus like, acts of righteousness? Like, what do you really mean by acts of righteousness? Jesus, is there any way you can clarify what an act of righteousness is? Because I have in my mind what an act of righteousness is, and if it doesn't fall into that, then maybe we're not on the same page. So Jesus clarifies it, and he gives them an example. He says this to them. So when you give to the needy, giving to the needy is a righteous act. It's an example. Do not announce it with trumpets. Hey, everybody, look at me. I am giving to this person. Hey, you in the back, in the red sweater. Do you see me? Look what I'm doing. I am giving. Did anybody see me drop off tithe today? Anybody see it? No? You? No? Anybody see that? That was me. I put my name on it and everything. Do you see what I did? Because if you did it, I could do it again. (laughs) 
So when you give to the needy, what am I doing? Oh, my gosh. (laughs) So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. Jesus is not saying that you shouldn't do acts of righteousness. That's not what he's talking about. He is saying that you shouldn't do them if your only reason for doing them is to be seen by others, is to get the pat on the back. Hey, Eddie, good giving. That was awesome. Thank you, brother. I appreciate it. I'm glad, I'm glad you saw it. Shame on you for nobody else who didn't see it. But what is Jesus really talking about here? He's talking about your motive. He's talking about your motive. He's talking about your motive in this moment. Because it's a moment. Because when you are giving of your time, when you are giving of your talent, when you are giving of your treasure, in whatever act of righteousness it may be, you have to realize something. It's a moment. And it can either be a personal one between you and Jesus, or it can be an on-the-surface one. Because if all you want is the attention of others to see what you are doing, then it becomes all about you and not about the one who has given you the time, who has given you the talent, who has given you the treasure to give. And what does the word say? What did Jesus say about people who are like that? You will have no reward from your Father in heaven. There will be no connection between you and him in that moment. No connection. It will be a one-sided, superficial, look-at-me experience instead of a deeply personal and intimate one. And that's not the way that Jesus wanted it to be. He wanted it to be meaningful. He wanted it to be something, not that. So how should we go about this moment? Jesus goes on, he says this, continuing on, verse 3 through 4. But when you do give to the needy, excuse me, But when you do give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. In other words, don't make a big deal about it. It's not about that. Don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be done in secret. Then your father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. When you have the right motive... There is a connection between you and the Father. A connection that only you and him will have because only the Father can see what is done in secret. For example, this is just an example. On Sunday mornings, when I do come up here and give tithe, a lot of you see this. This is what you guys see. Check this out. I'll have my son, right? I walk up here, I do this, and then I walk away. That's what you guys see, right? I may rub a couple elbows with you guys. I may talk to some of you. That's cool. There's nothing wrong with that. 
But what you don't see is that I do this every single time. When I walk up here and I give my offering, I know it's a moment. I know. So as I come up here and I am dropping off my tithes to the Lord, in my heart and in my mind, I am saying, Lord, thank you. You are amazing. You are wonderful. You have provided. There's no one like you in this world, Lord. And I drop it and I go and I walk away. You guys don't hear that. You don't hear it. But guess who does? The Father. It's a moment. And because of that moment that I've had with him, now it has become deeply personal between me and him. Our relationship has grown. It has gone to another level. But if I come up here, drop it, and walk away, and don't think two things about it, guess what? I'm here. And I'm not here. I'm here. And I'm not here. When you are giving to the needy, or when you are doing an act of righteousness, whether it's with your time, your talent, or your treasure, what is your motive? What is your motive? Do you ever stop to ask yourself the question, why? Why am I doing this? What's the reason? Is there anything other than me going into this? So Jesus continues to make the same point again, but this time using a different moment. He says this in Matthew 6, verse 5. Continuing on, he says this, And when you pray, this is a good one, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the streets to be seen by men. Hey, everybody, I'm praying. Shh, quiet. You have to hear what I'm saying. Because what I'm saying is way more important than what you're saying. My words are eloquent. My words are javacious. I have no idea what that word means. <laughs> My words are full of content. Listen to me when I pray. Hey, you, shh, quiet, pipe it down. Hey, did you hear me pray this morning? Did you hear it? I can do it again. I tell you the truth, the Lord says. They have received their reward in full. Hey, man, that was a great prayer you did this morning. Thank you. Glad you heard it. The word hypocrite. Oh, man. The word hypocrite that Jesus uses here in the Greek, it means play actor. Play actor. In other words, someone who looks the part, someone who knows the role, someone who on the outside appears to have it all put together, but on the inside, their hearts are extremely far from the Lord. Their motive during their prayers is to be heard and seen by men, nothing more and nothing less. Their only concern is the sound of their own voice, and if it sounds good, they're not attempting to really talk to Jesus. They're not attempting to make a connection with the Lord. They're not attempting to have a spiritual experience with God. 
That's not what their goal is. Their goal is to be seen and heard by everybody else. And Jesus says we shouldn't be like them. Praying in public is not the issue here. We pray in public all the time. We pray here right before service. Praying in public is not the issue. It's the motive that you have behind your prayers when you pray. That's what Jesus is trying to get to. Because praying is a moment. And it can either be a personal one, deeply filled with Jesus' spirit, or it can be just on the surface where there is no connection. Jesus tells them, I tell you the truth, they have received the reward in full, which is what? The accolades and the applause of the people who hear them. That's all it is. But meanwhile, Jesus is still waiting to talk to you. He's still waiting to have that conversation. He's still waiting to express how he feels with you. So how should we go about this moment? Jesus tells them this. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. I love the imagery that Jesus has here. I love the picture that he paints. Go into your room and close the door. This is a deep moment, Jesus is trying to say. This is a deep moment between you and him where you can share your thoughts and your concerns, your hopes and your fears, your dreams and your failures. You can express to him your anger, your moments of joy. You can express to him your uncertainties your insecurities. It's in this moment that you can ask for personal strength, for healing, and for direction. It's also a time of reflection and silence so that way you can hear back from him. It's a very, very intimate moment. Some of the most intimate moments that I've had with my wife have been when we have been in times of reflection, where we sat on the couch in front of my fireplace, and we've just spoken to each other for hours. Whether it's about our dreams, our failures, whether it's about something that I messed up at and she's calling me out on it, whether she's mad with me or angry with me. We sit there and we talk it out. And every time after I leave that area with her, we are closer than we were at the end than we were when we started. Because it's a moment. But if I were to just never have that with her, if I were to just not talk to her or speak to her or express to her how I feel or tell her the things that I'm afraid of or cry with her, our relationship would be here. I I wouldn't even have a relationship with her. She would have divorced me a long time ago. We can share that same type of intimate moment with Jesus when we pray. But none of that happens if we're too concerned on how good we sound. Your motive will determine. Your motive 
will determine whether you can go into your room and close the door behind you or if you have already received your reward in full. Question. When you pray, what is your motive? Do you know the why behind it when you do it? Do you? Next scenario, Matthew 6, verse 16. When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do. Oh, I'm so hungry. Hey, man, why are you hungry? I'm fasting. Man, that food smells good. Hey, have Oh, no, I can't have any. I'm fasting. I would love to have a bite of your food, but... It's me and the Lord right now, just so you know. Do you know I've been fasting for like seven days? Do you know that? No, I didn't ask you. I'm just, oh, I just felt like it's something you should know. <laughs> fasting is a moment. By no means is fasting an easy spiritual discipline. It's not. It can be very difficult at times. When fasting, you are literally saying no to the supplement of certain foods or foods altogether in order to get a bigger taste of who Jesus is. Excuse me. You do it because you want to have a closer connection to him, a more personal connection to him. There are certain things, there are certain prayers, certain questions that have not been answered because those type of questions merit a fast. They merit a deeper, more personal, spiritual experience with Jesus in order to get those answers. But when you are drawing attention to yourself to show the whole world that you are fasting, you are fasting with the wrong motive. Actually, I'm sorry, if anything, you're really not fasting. You're just going hungry for about a week. You're just going hungry. You have an empty stomach for about a week. You probably lost like 10 pounds, and that's really all you get from it, nothing else. And if that's your motive, you're missing the moment to deepen your relationship with Jesus. Because all you're going to get out of it is people knowing that you were hungry for about seven or eight days. If you ever do it that long, then three days. That's not what Jesus had in mind when we were to fast. He says this in verse 17. But when you fast, not if, but when. Put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to men that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. The reward that you get is a personal experience between you and Jesus because he will communicate to you. He will talk to you. He will share his heart with you. You have an opportunity while you're fasting to go beyond the surface and into the depths of his heart. It's not supposed to be obvious to others because they're not supposed to know. Because it's not between you and you, it's between you and him. It's something extremely deep and intimate. But if your motive isn't right, 
you'll never get there. You'll never get there. And you'll miss out. There are plenty of other moments that Jesus doesn't highlight. There's worship moments. There's parental moments. There's work moments. There's kid moments. There's friend moments. There's cousin moments. There's a whole bunch of slew of moments that we can just, there's serving moments. There's a whole bunch of them that Jesus doesn't talk about. But what is your motive in the moment? Pick one, anyone. What is your motive? What is it? As I said in the beginning, the deepness of your relationship with Jesus is linked directly to your motives. The enemy would love for you to have the wrong one because if you have the wrong one, you will walk away from Jesus without any hesitation because your, your relationship was here and never here. He knows, the enemy of this world knows that if you were to get a personal relationship with Jesus, a deep, intimate, and personal one with him, he would be the hardest thing to walk away from. The hardest thing to walk away from. Impossible to walk away from. Can you imagine experiencing God in a deep and personal way? Can you imagine that? Can you imagine having the heart of God touch the very fabric of your life? Because if it does, I guarantee you, it will shatter the reality of your world and introduce you to a relationship unlike any other. A relationship that's intentional and full of purpose. A relationship that takes you on the journey of a lifetime, full of amazing experiences, full of a love that is unparalleled. You are the treasure in the eyes of a king. You are more precious to him than gold, silver, or rubies. And he wants nothing more than to tell you that in person. To speak to you in the moment. He wants to heal you in the moment. He wants to restore you in the moment. He wants to touch your heart in the moment. Can you imagine that? Just you and him? How awesome that would be. Can you imagine finally going past the surface and into the depths of his heart? To know that you are forgiven for past mistakes, that no grudge is held against you, where your purpose can be poured out in its fullness. Where you don't have to worry about being alone. Where you don't have to worry about your fears or the biggest challenges that may come your way because you know that you have a personal God that is with you, that is standing right there with you. It's a moment. If we could all just close our heads for a second, bow our heads for a second. Right now, 
this is a moment. This is a moment. If you have found yourself listening to this message and you've had to check yourself because of your motives and you want to have the right ones because you're tired of having a surface-level relationship with Jesus and all you want is a personal one, then you can come to the altar. You can come up here to the altar and have that moment. Don't be afraid. It's not about the person who's to the left or to the right of you. It's not about their moment. It's about your moment. And if you wish to deeply have that personal moment with Jesus, come to the altar. It is open for you. Amen. Thank you. Lord Jesus, we thank you, my God. We thank you for coming down and sharing this piece of your heart with us, my God. To let us know that our motives should be correct in the moment if we were to desire a personal relationship with you, my God. There are so many of us standing here right now, my Lord, who want to be right in the moment. They desire a deeper, more intimate, more personal relationship with you, Lord. I know you will give it to them, my God. I know you will meet them where they are at, my God. I pray over everybody who is here right now, my Lord. May you touch their hearts. May you show them your love, my God. May they put you first in the moment, my God. May they stop treading the surface of what it means to know you and be with you, Lord. And may they dive down deeper, my Lord. Take that leap of faith to be with you, my God. You are everything. Knowing you can change the life of anyone and take them on an adventure that they would never realize by themselves. So we thank you for this moment, God. I pray that you watch over every single one of them, Lord, as they are with you in the moment. We thank you. Amen. Amen. Have a great week in the Lord.